もうあの皆さんに言ったようにまあゴジラははっきり言ってまあ魅力的というかチャーミングだっていうそれから時々こう人間的に言えば喜怒哀楽の,その愛といいましょうかねその悲しげな自分の誕生のこの宿命みたいなものを背負ってきてるで単なる破壊者ではないっていうことをそれと何て言いましょうかそのまあアメリカでキングコングがこうやってこの小さなフィギュアでこう少しずつやれてエンパイアステートビルディングを登って一コマずつ取っていった時代からはもう長い歴史の中でいろんな面であの特殊撮影というのはこう進歩してきましたけどもやっぱり日本の持ってきたこのゴジラっていうものは日本人しかできなかったこの手作りの良さといいましょうかね「匠」っていう言葉が日本にはあるんですけれどもまさにその人たちが作ったあの産物じゃないかなと思います。And welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is my co host, Michael. Hey, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna preface this now because we've had some technical issues before this episode uh, got started. If my audio sounds awful, I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, we have had nothing but issues for like a month now which is why this is the first episode we've recorded in probably a month um this is sorry the first, this is the first episode we've recorded since uh what was the last one we did now i can't remember Jeez. uh, uh was it was it uh where the wild things are i think was yeah, the last we were, time that we did yeah that was it was like what two three weeks ago i feel like it was like uh, I think I think it was about four weeks ago now. Yeah, because we did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did Rumble the February the tenth, and then we did Where the Wild Thing. Yeah, it's been a month ago because this is uh, the twenty first of yep. March, and we recorded. Uh, it's been a little less than a month ago because of twenty eight days in February, but still same difference. It's been like a month since we've talked. Oh, we've since we've been a, we've been behind the mic. That's. That's a lot, but for just but for justifiable reasons, we have been busy. So I don't think our I don't think the our faithful listeners will mind. No, but I do want to apologize to all of our listeners anyway, just because we know that uh, things were kind of inconsistent back when I was dealing with my grandmother passing away, and then I was hoping that as soon as that was you know past and and was able to get back to recording that everything would be hunky-dory and i'd be able to record every week and we'd be on a consistent schedule and then nope <laughs> um, oh, it's we've fine. had it's we've had it's so fine. many issues my computer just finally said i quit and has stopped you know stopped working had to get a brand <laughs> new one uh you're having technical issues we had problems and and things that we had to take care of with the magazine so it it's just been chaos and that's all just to excuse our absence for this time but we hope 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 to be back on a consistent schedule now every week so listeners thank you for sticking around with us if you're new here 
uh, none of that matters to you because you're just now starting to listen to us. So hello, new people. Um, hello. But for those who have stuck around, <laughs> thank you for being patient. <laughs> hello, new people. Uh, so, um, so buddy, do you want to just, cause we got a lot of stuff to cover. It's been a very, um, it's, it's, it's yeah. been an interesting, it's been an interesting week in G fandom. So, uh, with yeah, the, you want to just go ahead and jump into it? Yeah, let's, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here like, how do we do this? I don't know. Like, okay. Oh, uh, how do, uh, oh, okay. I know. We, well, hang, we, on, hang on. Hang on. I, we usually do something. I don't know. A little something called cue the beady beady. Cue the beady beady. And to start off with the news, we're going to talk about probably the biggest thing to the people are the most excited about anyway this week, which is according to Australian news sources and and now the first news source, I can't remember what it was, but it was a it was a newspaper from Australia. But then there's been other sources from Australia. So it's just it, it's been from all kinds of news sources in Australia uh-huh. A sequel to Godzilla vs. Kong has started filming on the Gold Coast that's in South Queensland uh, in uh-huh. Australia, um, which is the same location that they filmed Godzilla vs. Kong and uh, Kong Skull Island. So this is a place that they have, uh, uni- uh, not universal. What was I going to say? Uh, legendary. 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 Uh, this is a place that Legendary has uh, filmed before. This is a place that other movies and tv shows have filmed in this location and yeah the it's it's coming out as a sequel it, the news has been uh, put, uh pitching it as a sequel to godzilla versus kong which has gotten everybody excited because heck yeah cannot wait to see another monsterverse movie what do you think about all this news michael I think it's exciting. Um, we have actually a, we actually have a little editorial. I wrote myself up on Kaiju Raman media, uh, Kaiju Raman media.com slash news. Uh, I do, there is a, there is a quick write up there, uh, about a Godzilla versus Kong sequel. And in it, I mentioned that, um, it's while it, while it's exciting, I think we should really kind of temper our expectations because as our good friend, uh, Mike's monsters, Mike, uh, Mike of Mike's monsters says a sequel doesn't have to be a GVK two as GVK was a sequel to KOTM or King of the monsters skull Island in 2014. It's a sequel in the monster verse in general, the next entry in therefore the next entry in the series we've heard rumblings of son of kong for year for a year now and it could just be that so who knows i don't think it's gonna be i mean i'm not gonna i don't there's not enough information to really know if it's gonna be a direct sequel to godzilla versus kong it's just gonna be the next entry of the monster verse which sounds less exciting than sequel to Godzilla versus Kong because of, you know, how successful Godzilla versus Kong was at the box office. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's an important point to remember. And and that distinction that this is a a sequel to GVK to Godzilla versus Kong in the way that this is the next installment in that franchise. That doesn't necessarily mean this is a, like you said, direct sequel. And the, People are so excited. Oh, yes, we get to see Godzilla and Kong together again. Maybe this time they're going to team up for the full movie instead of fighting. And it's like, 
we may not see Godzilla at all in the next one. Like we've already, we've, we've mentioned on this podcast before, uh, I think uh, and it's been a while, but, but uh, Toho has, has plans for Godzilla and, and has plans for their monsters. And we don't know if the license with legendary is renewed or not with those monsters. So this could be completely Kong focused. This could be completely, another original monster focus you know and not have godzilla in it at all but it's still part of the franchise so it's a sequel in that way in the same way that like ant-man was a sequel to avengers even though ant-man is not an avengers movie right it's 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 within the same universe it just may not be a direct sequel so you know i just want to caution i just want to caution fans to kind of temper those expectations a little bit until we get more information um we'll post a link to uh the write-up on kaiju ramen media in the description of this episode if you want to go read that for yourself uh, moving on to the next bit of news, it's just a quick bit of news, but that Godzilla on Awaji Island, the um, interception Awaji Island, uh, mm-hmm. big Shin Godzilla statue that you can zip line through. There's a museum that's attached to that as well as part of the whole big Godzilla section of that park. And in that museum, they have a new exhibit that is celebrating Gigan's 50th anniversary. So it it has all kinds of displays from the original Godzilla versus Gigan plus Gigan's appearance in Godzilla final wars even has the, the, I, I don't know if it's a, if it's the actual suit or just a mock-up of the guy of Gigan from, from uh, 2014, uh, not 2014 uh, from 2004 final wars there mm. with all the pipes and tubes coming out of him. It looks really cool. So if you're over there in Japan near Awaji Island, you're already planning on going Now's a good time to go to see this 50th anniversary exhibit that's opened over there. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. I saw I saw a few pictures pop up online. It looks it looks interesting. Uh, it didn't look like there was a ton of stuff there, but there was a nice display for, you know, for Showa Gigan and, and, tw- and 2004 Final Wars Gigan. So it should be it should be really interesting, uh, a really interesting addition to the museum that's already there. I just think it's interesting because, one, I didn't know that they were going to change out exhibits in this museum. I thought it was kind of stuck the way it was. It was just whatever they had, that's what they had. Uh, So the fact that they can switch out exhibits and put new things in there is kind of cool. But also Mm -hmm. that they didn't do this, at least as far as I know, they didn't do this for the Hetera uh, anniversary last year. It is what it is, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still cool. I just I, I didn't know that this uh this museum had interchangeable exhibits. So that's neat that they can switch in new exhibits for different anniversaries for different movies and stuff when, whenever there's a big celebration. So I like that. Um yeah. So moving on to the next bit of news, we have a couple of new posters for Shin Ultraman. Uh now these are Japanese posters that are uh showing off characters and and designs but also has the date on there for the japanese release we still don't have an official confirmation on any kind of an american release which is frustrating but yeah i I don't know 
But did we have an American release date at this time when Shin Godzilla came out? Did we already know the release date for that? Because it had a limited theater run here in the United States. Yeah, I have a feeling that they I, I it's been so long now, I don't remember, but I, I have a feeling that they had announced that like the year before that it was going to get mm-hmm. a limited release in the U.S. Or, or at least, you know, I, a ways out, which which I mean, back then they didn't have to deal with COVID. So they could kind of sure. plan things out a little bit further ahead. But still, it is still just kind of it's frustrating because there's no confirmation on whether there's going to be an American release at all in theaters uh, for Shin Ultraman. There's also no confirmation if there's going to be any kind of digital release for Shin Ultraman. And I would it's just imagine like, there's going to be. I mean, I would imagine there's going to be. Um, I, I have to believe that there is because Subaraya really has been doing very good with making things available for uh, American audiences or English speaking audiences, I should say. Uh, yeah, we're so, gonna, I think we're going to get an, yeah. I think we're going to get an English du- or not English dub. We might, well, we may get an English dub, but we'll definitely, I, I know we'll, we'll get an English subtitled at some point. Uh, it may be six months after six months after it, it ends in Japan and we may have to wait until it comes out on home video, but eventually we're going to get some kind of English subtitled version for Shin yeah. Ultraman. We have, we, we'd have to. Well, we'll find out hopefully by the time it comes out in Japan, which is in May. So, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, we'll find out. Um, I do want to point out though, that the internet did what the internet does best, um, with one of the posters that, that was oh, revealed. Goodness. Um, <laughs> it just brings up a question that I asked you back when probably one of your first one of your early episodes of this podcast which was do ultraman have the booty (laughs) you know the (laughs) internet the internet latches on to the weirdest things Um, (laughs) that ultra booty though that ultra booty i mean you got you can't put a poster with the character sticking his butt facing towards the towards you the the viewer without expecting the internet to do what the internet does best (laughs) yeah yeah you're right uh well i will say that i will say that shin i will say that shin ultraman doesn't have as well sculpted a booty as ultraman from the marvel comics we'll just say that that is true that is very true (laughs) all right moving on to the next bit of news uh this is this is figure news so i'm gonna let you take this one yeah so uh super seven who's been releasing like some of these nostalgia and they specialize in like um vinyl toys but they lean very heavily into nostalgia like their their reaction figure line uh if anyone is familiar with the old kenner toys the old star wars kenner toys it was just like a very simplified figure action figure in a bubble packaging that is what super seven is known for they're they're known for like nostalgia stuff like nostalgia bait uh yeah toy items. We've, we've talked about them on the podcast before um so yeah. if anybody missed that episode just to kind of a refresher on that but yeah even the even the packaging is designed to kind of look exactly like the old kenner looking packaging yeah so uh super seven just recently announced i think it was last 
Friday, Thursday, that they're going to be doing, that they're starting their Toho Ultimates line, Wave 1, with Godzilla versus Biollante. And they look phenomenal, especially that rose form Biollante looks phenomenal. They're, they're about eight inches tall. And they're going to cost about, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, they're going to cost about 85 bucks a piece, which is about standard for ultimates. And what ultimates are, are the more articulated, mm-hmm. uh, higher, highly detailed, uh, to- similar to, um, the way I can describe ultimates as far as like these Godzilla toys goes, they're like the bridge between NECA, which was on the lower end and SH monster arts, which is on the higher end. So they're kind of that bridge in between those two brands. Whereas, you know, the, the ultimates line stands about eight inches tall. In fact, uh, I was watching a, a quick video made by super seven the other day, that Biolante figure is going to stand at li- about closer to nine, almost 10 inches tall. Um, because she is a big gal with, uh, she's got the, and they, they are both articulated. Uh, both figures are articulated. The Biolante, you would think that it would have limited articulation, but what's fun about the Biolante I found out is the, uh, the tendrils that the, that, that come off of the, of, off of the rows, they're actually going to be bendy wire. So that's kind of like that. Oh, also, wow. That's a, that's a little bit, that's a little bit of a throwback. Um, because I, I remember growing up with bendy wire toys. Um, so mm-hmm. that's going to be fun. Uh, but they look great. I haven't pre I haven't pre-ordered them yet. I'm on the fence of whether I want to, I just, you know, I, I, the only ultimates line I've pre-ordered so far is the, is the power Rangers ultimates line. Um, but I, I'm tempted, but I'm still kind of on the fence. Who knows? Yeah, they they look really good, even for me, who's you know not a collector or anything. But uh, I was just thinking, uh, you don't really see a lot of the rose form of Biolante in, no, in figure you form. No, don't. I'll probably just end up pre-ordering the Biolante, and that's it. Okay, sounds good. Uh, moving on to the next, the next couple of bits of news are kind of quick. Uh, so the first one, if you've listen to this podcast we have talked about this video game before also if you have checked out issue five of kaiju ramen magazine which the printed copies are on the way uh we have them ordered so they'll be on sale soon just as a side note um you've heard us talk probably about dawn of the monsters this is a video game that looks really cool uh the art style in it looks fantastic it's got like a shell a uh, shell a cell shaded style um, of of art and it has been released it is finally available right now it's available on nintendo switch on pc on ps4 ps5 xbox one xbox series x and series s and stadia so it is available for pretty much anybody who wants to play it it is available now I'm not a video game person, but this was really exciting because a we worked with them to feature something in the magazine. So it's always nice to see, uh, you know, somebody that we worked with for the magazine succeed and and everything. But also just the idea that you're getting a, an original video game that's kaiju related. It's what we've wanted for a Godzilla game for a long time because we haven't had a good Godzilla game in a while. And they the the people 
who were behind this were like, hey, if if Toho and all of them's not going to put out a Godzilla game, we're just going to create our own. And they did. And it was it's it's awesome. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, it looks good. It looks like fun. Uh, I've seen some of the I've seen some of the uh, the Let's Play videos where, you know, people have reviewed the game. It looks fun. The art the art style is is interesting. It's unique, uh, but looks really good. Uh, I'm like you, I'm not a gamer. I don't, I haven't played, I actually have not opened or turned on my game console, uh, in probably, I don't know, like maybe four or five years, sadly. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, I mean, it looked like good for the people who were able to get it good for the people who have the, uh, special box set coming. It looks like a good buy and thank you to the guys from, uh, Dawn of the Monsters, um, yeah, 3 a.m. For gaming. allowing for or 3 yeah, thank you to the guys from 3, 3 a.m. Studios for allowing us to interview you guys for the magazine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Next bit of news real quick, but just a reminder that Godzilla versus the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers issue one comes out this Wednesday. So actually, uh, at the time that this episode gets released, it would be yesterday. Um, it would have come out. So it comes out this week. So if you haven't pre-ordered your copy and as much as I hate to say it, if you didn't pre-order it, the way the comic book industry works now, if you didn't pre-order it, you might not get a copy of it. But if you did just know that your copy is going to be in your shops and you can pick them up or get them wherever you want, wherever your local comic book shop. Yeah, sadly, I, I do have, I do have issues one through four, one through four pulled at my local shop. They, I called them today when I found out, that it was going to be Wednesday. I called them and say, Hey, are my, are the books going to be in? And they told me that their delivery is delayed. So I Yay. will not be able to, I will <laughs> not be able to read it on day one, unless I buy the digital version from Kindle, which I will probably wind up doing because I want to review. I want to write a review of issue one for the website for Kaiju Rama. Yeah. So, yeah and oh man that don't even let's not even get started on the whole comiXology thing because if you didn't if if your if your order is delayed your physical copies are delayed and you want to order uh and get a copy from comiXology like me who normally read a lot of comics through comiXology yay amazon kind of messed us up a very polite way of saying it um (laughs) and we're not going to get into any details with that but yeah uh so oh boy hopefully we'll get to read it and hopefully we'll get to talk about it (laughs) yeah i have um i actually as soon as i found out my issue was going to be delayed i went on to amazon and i and i went ahead and pre-ordered the copy it should it should download to my kindle app um uh, the day of, so I'll be able to read it and hopefully, uh, hopefully get a review out, uh, by around the weekend or maybe a little bit after. So that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Um, and the last bit of news, which is going to kind of transition us into our main topic. So we're going to, uh, just kind of briefly mention it and then we'll get into our main topic is the sad news. I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast and is interested in kaiju related stuff probably has heard this news, but it's very sad news that Akira Takarada, uh, one of one of the greatest 
uh, actors from uh, one just in general from Japan and two also within the kaiju community, one of the standout kind of um, ambassadors of Godzilla um, passed away this week at the age of 87, which I was surprised he was only 87. I thought he was much older than that. Um, just because uh, he, it seems like he's been around forever. <laughs> I, I did too. Was, was I the one that broke the news to you or did you find out before I told you? Um, you were the one that broke the news to me because you texted me and I woke up and saw it. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it was it. You know, this is really messed up G fandom this week um, because it was it came as it came as as a very it came as a shock honestly um mm -hmm. you know all the videos and things that we i just saw i just watched the great buddha arrival and there is a a segment towards the beginning with akira takarada talking about uh, talking about godzilla and, and some and kaiju stuff and you know its influence and its importance in culture and um he looked good like he looked mm -hmm. really good like as he always did i could never like i i like he is the, he was the Cary Grant of, of Japan because he just, he was a phenomenal actor. He always carried himself well. He carried himself with, with grace and like a gentleman and every, and I've heard countless stories the last week of fans recounting their experiences with them. So, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, our friend, uh, in fact, our friend Nathan and a few and Kaiju Kim and Danny DeMana and Elijah Thomas, they actually, um, they actually did a live stream the other night uh, in honor of uh, Takarada-san. So I was not able to join that because I have a, I had a massive migraine at the time. And I wanted to ask you because you were able to meet him. That is, that is a privilege that I never got mm -hmm. as a G fan. So you were actually able to meet him. So I want to give you a moment to talk about your experience meeting uh, Takarada-san. Well, so my experience with him, it, it was really quick because I was, you know, in line to, to meet him. So I didn't really have like a great, as someone, I forget who it was, it was somebody who shared it on Kaiju Ramen uh, or to the Kaiju Ramen Twitter. Um, but they, they shared a story about how they, they were at a con and they were just at like a gift shop or, or not a gift shop, but like one of the little stalls and he walked by and they were like, Oh, Hey, can I get a picture with you? And he took a picture and then turned around and there's the line of people who've been waiting for like an hour to take a picture with him. And, and they just happened to be, see him passing by and he w willingly stopped and took a picture for free and all of them had to pay and wait in line. So, you know, it's kind of like, it, it, it's, it was a funny situation that they that story that they shared but um i was one of those ones who paid and waited in line to see him because i knew this was going to be my only chance to see him um because yeah. you would it was right before covid started uh really big in the united states it was still hitting more overseas than it was here so i knew that if it if if covid you know made it over to the united states we probably weren't going to have him make it to the united states for a while so, and with his age, you knew that traveling overseas and stuff was going to be very hard. So I knew this was going to be one of my last chances to see him. So I waited in line, got to see him. And I was so starstruck that I didn't even get really get to say anything to him. I was just like, hey, <laughs> hi, my name's Travis. And he just kind of said, hello, you know, nice to meet you. And, and, and that was it, you know, and so, I, you know, it wasn't like 
I didn't get to like actually talk to him or, you know, sh- you know really get to know his personality or that, all of that kind of stuff because it was real quick, but it was, yeah. he was, like you said, he had such class because he knew that people, people reacted that way to him. So him being so friendly to me and kind of laughing at me being so starstruck with him, uh, you can tell he was just kind of thought it was kind of funny and stuff. And so, you know, it, it, he, he was very pleasant and very accommodating to me. And so we got, a, I got a picture with him and everything. And it was really nice. But yeah, yeah, we've we've had so many people sharing different experiences and he was always just such a friendly person. He loved meeting fans because he yeah. he loved Godzilla. That was a, that was the thing. He loved Godzilla as much if not more than all of us fans of Godzilla and he wanted to share that share godzilla and be the person to kind of bring godzilla to people and be kind of you know that that ambassador for godzilla and it was it's so great he did such a good job with that yeah we we i put out a quick little blurb on twitter the other day after the after the news had kind of settled and um everyone had been sharing their stories and everything about takarada and we you know we broke the we 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 did the whole write-up and things on kaiju ramen and and you know we sent our condolences and our love and respect to his family and um I asked for a couple of people, I asked for people to, you know, share their stories with us and we'd read them on the podcast. We did have a couple of people. Uh, so the first one came from our friend Kim and she says, uh, she says, I met him at G Fest 2019 up until that point. I had only heard him speak Japanese. So I greeted him with nice to meet you in, in, in Japanese. And he responded in English. Oh, you speak Japanese. Uh, got his autograph and we chatted for a bit. It was awesome and a surreal experience. And also our friend Nathan says, uh, I met Takarada at G Fest 2019. I paid for one autograph on my criterion copy of Godzilla 1954. But as soon as he signed that, he grabbed the case out of my hand and signed that too. I nearly exploded with joy. Then we got a photo and I cherished that. And I cherished both of them uh, always. So, you know, that those are just two of countless stories that we've seen come across, you know, G fandom, uh, in the last several days. Um, uh, yeah. we've had, we've had several people, uh, share condolences and, and things like that. And I'll tell you like here, I don't get choked up over, um, I don't get choked up over celebrities passing away. I didn't even really cry all that I didn't cry at all when Betty White passed away and I probably should have because she was a living legend as well but uh when when I got the news of Takarada passing away it really messed me up that entire day um yeah because because his his legacy has meant a lot to you know me and you and and the others because or else we wouldn't be doing this podcast if if actors and actresses like Takarada-san did not make such a huge impact on our lives. And before we move on, I just wanted to kind of uh, say that we did write, or I'm sorry, Danny, our friend Danny Demana did write a very, a very, very lovely um, uh, article, tribute article to Takarada-san. It's called uh, Akira, Ta- Ta- Akira Takarada Remembered, a tribute from a grateful fan. And I'm, and it's it's such a loving article from the perspective of someone who you know, loved his work and loved him as a person from a fan's perspective. 
so mm-hmm. I'll try to, uh, I'll try to put that in the show notes as well so that people can go and, and check that out. But we did get confirmation from his family that, uh, he did pass away on, he actually passed away on March the 14th at, uh, 12:31 AM and he died and, and he died of pneumonia. So we, we did find that out. Yeah. And I just want to take this opportunity to say, um, for anybody, please take care of your health. Uh, pneumonia is one of those things that sneaks up on people. Sometimes they don't realize they have it or they realize they have it too late. They don't get checked up. So please take care of your health because that can be something that affects someone, uh, very seriously. So just wanted to take the opportunity to say that too. Um, also, Make sure I know that I know that pretty much everyone who listens to this podcast probably has seen every Godzilla movie numerous times. So you've seen all the ones that he's been in because he's been in you know multiple Godzilla movies over the years. But take the opportunity to, if you can, go check out some of his other non kaiju related movies because he's done other kaiju stuff too. But but when he did a bunch of movies uh, back in the day, he's been in samurai movies. He was in love stories. He was kind of a heartthrob back in the day. So he was kind of the, the handsome guy that uh, uh, women fell in love with in a lot of movies. I mean, he was Mr. Uh, handsome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he's done quite a few. He did one uh, that is kind of like Japan's take on a James Bond movie. It was kind of like a James, I don't want to say ripoff, but it was kind of a James Bond Iron, ripoff. Was it Iron Finger Iron, that he did? Yes, Iron Finger. That was that one. So if you want to see Takarada as James Bond, essentially, go watch that. Um, also, the sequel to that one, which was, I think, Golden Eyes. Yeah, Golden Eyes. That was it. I'm I have the filmography pulled up right now, uh, looking through it. And yeah, so that's another one. He did one with um uh he did a samurai film with uh Mifune, famous samurai actor Mifune. Um, and it was it was basically what's that oh what what is the uh, Cyrano? I was trying to think of what the name of it uh, it's the story of Cyrano, but told by samurai like told with samurai so if you don't know the story of cyrano uh cyrano was someone who fell in love with a woman uh but his appearance he didn't feel like he could approach her so he used a proxy to go and uh deliver love letters the woman falls in love with the person that's delivering the letters it creates kind of a thing yeah. they kind of they remade it with steve martin uh they've done it before with, with steve martin i think mm. that was roxanne was the one that it's oh, the one yeah. that where he has the long yeah, yeah, nose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um but they but uh but yeah uh, Takarada was in a movie that was based on the story of Cyrano but was uh done with samurai. So so the Mifune played the older samurai who was in love with someone he used Takarada as a younger more handsome uh samurai to deliver love letters to the person that mafune was in love with and it's it's a really interesting i'm trying to remember what it's called but it is available on um criterion if you want to 
see it, but I'm just trying to remember which one, what it was called now. I would say if you, if you have access to the Criterion channel, just, just search for Akira Takarada and look for one of the period pieces. You're bound to find it. Uh, our friend Matt from Monstrosity's Log did a wonderful stream with Patrick Galvin the other night, uh, going through all of the non kaiju related Akira Takarada films. And in fact, it inspired me to go back and try to find those, try to find those films that he, uh, you know, that weren't, you know, Godzilla related or weren't, um, you know, Kaiju related in general. So, uh, you know, when, when we, uh, we didn't do this on purpose, but when we found out he passed away, the film that we're going to be talking about seemed very appropriate because, um, yeah, you know, we, it is, it is one of his most, it is one of his most treasured kaiju roles. Yeah. Um, by the way, that movie that I was talking about is called Samurai Saga. It's from 1959. I finally uh, yeah. found it. Um, it is, it is the, it's a Japanese version of Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, so, you know, and like I said, it has Toshiro Mifune as, as basically the Cyrano character and Akira Takarada as the, uh, the handsome man who was the, the in-between who, who was delivering the love letters. It's a, it's really good. It's a really good, it's a, it's a different take on a samurai film because mm-hmm. most samurai films, when you think of them, you might think of, um, uh, you might think of seven samurai or you might think of some of those, but th- this one's kind of like, this is a romantic comedy sort of um but told in the in the with samurai and so it was just it, it's a really interesting it's available on criterion um uh, both of the uh james bond quote-unquote movies that he did uh golden eyes and iron finger are on criterion collection too so so you can if you have the criterion uh, app and you have the, the subscription to it you can kind of go on there and find a bunch of those films that he did that are not necessarily kaiju related you know just some of his other films but yeah he did a bunch of films and he has such a great huge variety in his uh in his filmography so definitely check out more than just the just if you're only familiar with the godzilla films check out some of the other stuff that he's done um, but yeah, yeah, that kind of takes yeah. us into our main topic this week. Like you said, it's kind of appropriate that we're covering this movie now, knowing this, the news about Takarada-san, uh, because we're covering Mothra versus Godzilla from 1964. We didn't do a trivia question um, because we didn't know when we were going to be able to record again because of all of the problems that we were having. So uh, I do want to shout out some people who... Uh, turn, uh, who gave us some trivia, que- uh, some answers to the last trivia question that we asked, but never got to record the episode, um, which mm-hmm. was our Ockjaw episode that just never got recorded because of so many issues. But we did get a bunch mm-hmm. of responses for that. So, if, of course, we have Nathan from the Monster Island Film Vault, Jimmy from NASA, Kevin Duane, uh, Godzilla Novelization Project, so Danny uh, from from Godzilla Novelization Project, uh, Dr. Sam Perrin, who said he was looking forward to us covering Okja, which, uh, Sam, if you're listening to this, we will cover it at some point. We just, our schedule got mixed up because of all the issues that we were having, technical issues that we were having, so we'll get to it. We Sam promise. Is, uh, Sam, Sam, we've been trying to find an excuse to have you on. You want to come review it with us? 
no, 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 no. He is scheduled. He is on the schedule for a different movie, and he is coming oh, okay. on for that movie. We are not. We're, we're not. <laughs> if he wants to come on for Akja, he can. But 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 don't, but if if we have a choice between Akja and the movie he's scheduled for, we're keeping him on the schedule for what he's scheduled for because okay. I want him on that one. Gotcha. <laughs> uh crystal lady jessica spideris or spideris uh and kaiju conversations our friend elijah thomas uh raymond martin and nick blackler who sent us in a really nice uh photo <laughs> photoshop that he always does these really awesome funny photoshops um to answer our trivia question that we had asked that had nothing to do with this movie because it was for akja but we wanted to give you all a shout out anyway because we always promise to give you a shout out if you give us an answer so there's your mm-hmm. shout outs so going back to our mothra versus godzilla 1964 uh this was directed by ishiro honda Starring Akira Takarada, Yuriko Hoshi, Hiroshi Koizumi, Kenji Sahara, Imi, and Yumi Ito as the Shobijin, and Haro Nakajima as Godzilla. Uh, and of course, the special effects were done by A.G. Subaraya. And do you have a plot breakdown that you want to do, or do you want me to do it? I do. I have a plot breakdown. No silly plot. No silly plot breakdown for this one because one of one. I'm going to play this straight for for Takarada-san. So, uh, Mothra's yeah. egg washes ashore. Mothra's egg washes ashore and is claimed by a gr- by a greedy entrepreneur who refuses to return it to her fairies, the Shobijin. As Godzilla arises nearby. Near in nearby Nagoya, the people of Infant Island must decide if they are willing to answer Japan's own pleas for help. So, uh, you know, this is a classic G film. Like this is one. This is a if not this is at least top five on a lot of people, or probably top three on a lot of people's lists. Yeah, yeah. Well, this it's definitely in the top. I, I want to say it's in the top three of my list. I, I have to double check it, but because I have it on uh, on our letterbox. So if you follow us on letterbox, you'll already know. Um, but I have to remind myself because I don't remember <laughs> what I listed everything as. But it's definitely up there. It is one of my absolute favorite Godzilla movies. I love this movie it was one of the first godzilla movies i remember seeing uh not the very first but one of the first that i remember seeing Uh and i have loved it ever since i'm a big mothra fan i love i love mothra i love anytime mothra shows up in a godzilla film uh, or even in her own films uh so this was this is one of my favorites um I after I uh, to remind myself a little bit about this movie, because I've seen this movie so many times, I didn't really need to rewatch it this week to to review it. But I wanted to remind myself of some of the details that happened in the movie. I watched a review uh, for um, our friend from uh, who has the YouTube channel up from the depths. And yes, he he mentioned something that I thought was really interesting. This was the turning point in the Godzilla film history because Mm -hmm. this was, this was the movie that set the pattern for all of the future show of movies. Uh, This was, this Mm -hmm. was the one that all of the following Godzilla movies basically had to measure up to, uh, you know, this, this was the Godzilla movie that everything else had to try to beat or match. 
And I thought when he said that, I was like, you know, it makes so much sense because, yeah, you have you have King Kong versus Godzilla just a, just two years prior to this. But the special effects in that were they were still kind of figuring things out. And, mm. you know, and, and there had been a big gap between got the Godzilla films and uh, the original Godzilla films and that one. There had been a kind of a gap there. So that movie was kind of rediscovering the tone and rediscovering kind of what they wanted to do with Godzilla. Whereas this movie, it's just like, no, this is everything you expect Godzilla to be. This is exactly what it is. And this sets the pattern for all the movies that come after it, at least in the Showa era. Yeah, it uh, does. What do you think? Um, you know, Mothra versus Godzilla or Mothra versus, or I'm sorry, Godzilla versus the thing, which is what it was known to me as, a, as a child, because anytime you watch, anytime this movie came across, uh, on a, on TV, whether it be TNT, AMC or sci-fi, it was always Godzilla versus the thing. And, um, I remember first watching this movie in 1994 when it came on, uh, the TNT monster vision marathon. I think it was like a Christmas day or Christmas Eve and Christmas day or new year's Eve, new year's day marathon that aired over, you know, uh, that aired over like a 48 hour period. And this was one of like the 13 or 15 movies that they played. And I just remember, in fact, in preparation for this movie, I went back and watched the classic media disc, which was the version that I, that I was able to see as a child. Um, Mm -hmm. same dubbing, same, same, same everything. But I can totally see where this was the turning point in Godzilla in with Godzilla films, because this really, this darker tone to, cause this movie does have a little bit of a darker tone to it. Whereas, you know, King Kong versus Godzilla was played for, a, it was a, it was meant to be a comedy and, you know, not discounting Godzilla, not, not discounting Godzilla raids again, because that does kind of set the formula for the versus films. But I feel like Mothra versus Godzilla perfects it because in this film you get, um, not only do you get an outstanding human cast, but you also get, uh, you know, Godzilla at his most terrifying, I guess, up to this point. Um, and it does kind of set the pattern of, Oh, Godzilla arrives. We have to figure out what the heck is going on. We have to figure out how to defeat it or it doesn't have to be Godzilla, but a monster arrives. We have to figure out how to defeat it. Oh, here comes another monster to help in the form of Mothra this time. And it does kind of set that pattern. And it, and you know, like we said, they were trying to figure some stuff out with the special effects, excuse me, uh, with the special effects from the previous two films or the previous three films rather. Uh, and I think they, I think EG Subaraya and his team really dialed into, into what a Godzilla, what we would know Godzilla films to be for the next, uh, you know, for the next decade of movies. Yeah. And I think that when you're talking about like the original people behind Godzilla films and, and the mm-hmm. and especially the kaiju boom in general. You know, you've got mm-hmm. uh Ishiro Honda, you've got Eiji Tsuburaya, you've got um Sekizawa as the writer, you've got Fukube as mm-hmm. the as the um composer, and all of that is is like all of them are working 
at their best in this movie. Like, I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think any of them have dropped the ball on this movie at all. When you're, when you're looking at it, like every aspect of it, the music, the special effects, the directing, the writing, the acting, everything is, is, is top notch. And yeah, it becomes the touchstone for what to, what to, do in future films and and like you said it, it is kind of interesting if you watch godzilla versus or king kong versus godzilla and mothra versus godzilla back to back because they kind of have a very similar story but they have totally different tones because mm-hmm. like you said king kong versus godzilla is more played as a parody and and so the characters are more heightened whereas this one they're playing it very straight and very serious. And, and even though there is a little bit of comedy and a little bit of levity in certain parts of it, it's meant to be taken as a serious uh, story and the characters are meant to be taken seriously. And so, yeah, it's just, it is interesting that to contrast those two, how much uh, has changed in the tone coming into this film. Well, you know, Nakajima, Nakajima had not been playing Godzilla all very much at this. This is only Nakajima's third film as Godzilla. And, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like he was still kind of trying to figure things out with the character. Um, so much so that like the scene that, that really, I, that iconic scene where Godzilla crashes into, I think it's, it's not Izumi castle. Um, I'm trying to think of what the name of that castle is, but when Godzilla crashes into the castle, it's because Nakajima just couldn't see. <laughs> right. Uh, he yeah. just couldn't see out. He just he just couldn't see out of the suit, so he tripped and fell. Uh, and it they just ended up it ended up being uh, an iconic scene. And uh, I think this was a scene where Nakajima really was trying to figure out the character of Godzilla because you don't see Godzilla do a ton of movement in this in this movie as we get to see in like later Showa films where he's a lot more active and a lot more animated. In this movie, he is menacing. He is he is more animal. I guess more animalistic in this film uh, than the ones that maybe would come after, like uh, nineteen um, in nineteen sixty five or I'm sorry, nineteen sixty four would also see uh uh godzilla versus or i'm sorry Ghidorah the three had a monster and even in that film there's a stark contrast between this godzilla and that godzilla because in in 1960 in 1964's Ghidorah 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 however you say it um mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more personality to that Godzilla as opposed to this one. It's just Godzilla is seen as more of an animal uh, to be dealt with than, uh, than an act, than a character like this kind of trend. Like we, we start seeing Godzilla as a character more and more throughout the, the most subsequent films. But to me, to, in my personal opinion, this is, this is Godzilla. This is Godzilla to me. 1964 Mothra versus Godzilla. This encapsulates what Godzilla is meant to be, which is a force of nature. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's sort of where I line up with, with this one. Yeah. And and this is the point where Godzilla is still, still a villain. You know, he hasn't transitioned over yeah. to, you know, fighting the evil monster, which it really in the next film is when he does, because then uh, Ghidorah shows up and Godzilla has to be convinced to fight him. But he but he still does end up fighting him. But in this one, Mothra is Mothra is the hero. Mothra is the good mm-hmm. 
character the good monster and godzilla is the villain godzilla is the one to be defeated um oh by the way that was uh nagoya castle uh is the one that he he fell nagoya into castle. Uh, and gotcha. yeah nagoya castle is the one that he he was supposed to walk up to it and destroy it and uh as as um uh, Nakajima was walking up to it. He tripped into the the little dip that they had for the moat and tripped and fell into it. And so they just kept it. They kept it in the film. It's like you know th- this model is very hard to to build again. So we're just going to keep that scene in, and it works. Uh, Na- Nakajima got really beat up in this film. Like he was he mm-hmm. he got he could he couldn't see out of the suit. The suit was like the suit was difficult to 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 see out of. Um, and he got set on fire. Uh, yes. So, yeah. you, you know, the, Nakajima, you know, we don't talk, I feel like we don't talk enough about like what these suit actors went through in production of these movies. A lot of times they are walk, they're literally walking blind because it's probably, I would say it's very difficult to see out of those suits. Um, Mm -hmm. it's probably difficult to hear out of those suits. And, you know, when you have all these explosions and pyrotechnics going on, um, it's, it turns into a really precarious situation like we've seen in this, the scene where, you know, the rockets are flying at Godzilla and the suit gets caught on fire. You know, they had, that is Nakajima literally being caught on fire because, uh, you know, he got just a little bit too close to the pyro or the pyro was just, or he walked, he walked, uh, into the pyro. And I think it's how it was. He walked into the pyro, into the lane of the, the line of fire with the pyro. And he wasn't supposed to, because he couldn't see, he couldn't see out of the suit. So you right. know, what are you, what are you going to do there? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's only like, like, and, and you mentioned how just the amount of work that they, the suit actors go through. I mean, this isn't the first, this isn't the first, well, it's the first, but it's also, it's not the last time that Nakajima was set on fire while in the suit because, uh, there's been, there were other times in other movies where the suit was set on fire. Um, I wanted to ask you, as like Godzilla fans love talking about the different Godzilla suits. You know, we, we talked, we talked about it earlier when we were going through the news, the Biogoji suit and design. What do you think of this one? This is the, is, is this Masugoji? Is that what, which one this yes, one is? This is the, yeah, this is the Musugo. This is the, the Musugo, Musugoji. Yeah. Musugoji. Um, you know, I prefer, I honestly prefer sort of the, the bulkier suits of the six of 62. I, this is not my favorite Showa era suit. Uh, 1968, uh, from destroy all monsters will always be Showa Godzilla to me. Uh, probably because it's the one they used the most. They got the most mileage out of. Um, so it's, it's the most identifiable, but there's just something about this derpy eyed 1964 <laughs> suit that I, that I love. Um, it looks menacing. It looks, it, 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 like I said, it encapsulates what the, what Godzilla was supposed to be was it was an animalistic force of nature. And I know the suit, um, the suit did have its problems and you can kind of tell it uh, during in the film, the um, the mouthpiece, the gum, the, the the jowls would come loose and would just kind of dangle mm-hmm. and wobble there, uh, which 
you know, it just, it fit the character. It, it fit that, you know, that, and they, and they ended up correcting that in the next film with, with Ghidorah or Ghidorah. I don't know. I said Ghidorah. Why did I say Ghidorah? That's a weird word. Um, Ghidorah, the three at a monster. And I don't know it, to rank them is difficult because I love all Godzilla's. Uh, I love all Godzilla's equally. Um, so I would, I don't know. This is like top three, I guess top three or top five suits. I'm not a big Heisei guy. Uh, although there are a couple of the Heisei suits that I love, like the 91 and the 84 and even the one from Destroya, I love because it just looks cool. Uh, as far as like Showa suits, it's between this, obviously it's between this and probably the 68, uh, that I love. I, so as far as Showa is concerned, because to me, I, and I, I think I've said it on the podcast before, when I think of Godzilla, the, the Heisei, especially 91, um, Godzilla is the one that, that comes to mind because that's just the era that I, I was the biggest Godzilla fan, uh, or like as far as like that was the height of my fandom is what I mean, uh, was in the Heisei era. So that's the ones that always come to mind whenever I think of Godzilla. But right. as far as Showa era, this is my favorite Godzilla suit. I don't know what it is. And, and I know the, the heavy brow they put on this suit is kind of weird, but for some reason, like you said, it kind of works with the tone because he is supposed to be the villain. So they gave him this heavy brow that makes him look more evil and menacing. And mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, I guess because this is one of my favorite Godzilla films. So this suit is one of my favorite Godzilla suits from the era. <laughs> I just, I just love it. I love yeah. the suit. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's it kind of it's like people like to call this one the duck, the duck bill goji. This is not I don't think this is this is not Frogzilla or duck bill goji. Like the next film looks more like it. He looks more like a duck in in Ghidorah than he does in this film. But I just yeah. really there's just something about this, this Godzilla suit. And as much as and as much as it is beloved by fan, this as much as this movie is beloved by fandom, you don't see it represented a whole lot uh, in either in merchandise or in fan art or in media all that much. And I, and I never know why. Uh, maybe it's because it's not as it's not one of the most distinctly unique suits of the of the era. Uh, you see a lot more Shodai Goji, which is the 54 or the 68. Mm -hmm. You see a lot more of those, but you don't get, you don't necessarily see 64A and 64B all that often, which is a shame because it is see, such a, it's a well say, put together suit. Yeah. And I would say it is distinct because like there's no other suits in the Showa era that have that unique brow like like some of them have the the heavier set brow but this one's very unique in that in that mm -hmm. look and that in the way it in the way it looks on the suit so uh, i would say that it is it is a unique suit um you know as much as we love this movie i i have seen a lot of people say that they just it's just not one of their favorites like i mean we, we our friends over at monsters versus men they i think eric kind of rated this one kind of low in the show uh they in did, his list yeah. of of the shows because he just didn't really it didn't really appeal to him all that much and uh and so i don't think the mothra especially uh, mothra as a monster herself and also the mothra godzilla movies are really all that popular in the larger 
scheme of things in the U.S. Uh, I think they're more popular in Japan than they are in the U.S. Mm. and in other English-speaking markets. I think Mothra the character, Mothra the character, and what Mothra the character embodies is more popular than I would say the films themselves. Because if you look at the films themselves in context, and this is just from a design perspective, the Mothra suit or the Mothra puppets, because they're not suits, they're puppets. The Mothra puppets always wind up, always wind up looking stiff and unnatural. And that's just, that was common for like these kaiju films where there has to be a kaiju that flies. Like it was very difficult to, to animate wings in a natural way. Uh, I would, I would honestly say that the closest to ever do the, 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 the only one to really ever do it right was Rodan from 56 because the, mm. the the wings move just a little bit more natural maybe not necessarily in the flying scenes but when the when it was nakajima in the suit uh for mm-hmm. rodan the wings looked a whole lot the wings looked so much better than they do with the with the mothra puppet so and and to be fair the mothra puppet herself does look pretty beat up because this is the same if i'm not mistaken this is the same Mothra from One. 61, maybe with, maybe yes. with a slightly tweaked head sculpt. Um, but it looks, it looks beat up in this film and well, okay. It, it looks a little beat up, but I will say it's the best that you're going to see Mothra in the Showa era of Godzilla films because they use the same puppet for all the rest of Mothra's appearances in all of the Godzilla films, the time, the ones that she appears in and it just gets worse from here. <laughs> like at least, well, I will to- say this. <laughs> I will say at least uh, she doesn't have a cigarette laying on top of her head in this one. Like she does in scene. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like by the time you get to Sea Monster and uh Son of Godzilla, like that's that that puppet is is rough. <laughs> that is a rough looking puppet. So it does look it doesn't look as crisp as it did in 61 when you know in, in Mothra, the actual movie Mothra, but it's still better than what you get later on in the Showa era. Um, well, she would only but, make she would only well, she actually would only make uh, two appearances in the Godzilla, in the Showa era of, of or three appearances if you count her original film. She would Mothra sixty one, nineteen sixty four with Mothra versus Godzilla, and then nineteen sixty six with Sea Monster. She actually wasn't in Son of Godzilla. Um, I thought she was, they, no, she was in she was in uh, Gira though. Well, the 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 full the, full grown the, one the, wasn't the. the the worms were the 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 full grown the yeah the full grown one was full grown mothra was not the 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 larva that we'll see later in this film that which is we'll get there but um those that was in that was in Ghidorah not in not in any other film except not the full grown mothra we won't see again after sea monster yeah uh, and uh, we'll go ahead and get into what you what you hinted at but um if you're attached to Mothra at all, uh, this kind of sets the trend of Mothra dies a lot. <laughs> Mothra dies so much. And I think like we can, and, and, like, and the, the whole fact that Mothra optimus prime levels of self-sacrifice at this point right. of Mothra well, that... sacrificing herself. <laughs> Well, that is the, that's kind of the core, that's the core characteristic of Mothra though, is that self-sacrificial benevolence that she, she was a benevolent or she is a a benevolent character. 
She's always played mm-hmm. as the benevolent character in, in her, in her films like there. And she, and the concept behind Mothra is really interesting because, um, you know, she does embody kind of that, that Eastern idea of reincarnation and rebirth that I think a lot of people can attach themselves to, or, or that appeals to a lot of people. Um, you know, there is something very ethereal about Mothra that, that makes her a very, a, a very appealing character because unlike some of the, the characters like, you know, maybe even Anguirus who Anguirus, Godzilla, you know, some other that can, that have played both benevolent and, uh, malevolent creatures in their, in their canon, you know, Mothra has always been that benevolent do-gooder or that benevolent heroine in her movies. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, that just, that is just her character. That that's just, that's what she embodies. She embodies the grace and majesty of maybe like a, a, of an Eastern sensibility of, of, of royalty, maybe like an Eastern sensibility of royalty and, you know, reincarnation yeah. and things like that. Well, well, she is treated like royalty on the, on the Island, uh, you know, on infant Island. Uh, she's kind of treated as, as that, mm-hmm. um, as as royalty but also i think you know she kind of just represents nature in general which is why i've always liked the idea of mothra and godzilla either teaming up to fight a bigger threat or fighting each other because godzilla has always or at least not always but originally he was representing kind of anti-nature he was you know nuclear the the it was nuclear radiation that mutated him so he was kind of anti-nature he was against uh his the natural process of things and so he would destroy he was just pure destruction because of that and then here is mothra who represents birth and life and beauty and nature and she comes to stop him and i think that's just a really fantastic uh fantastic story to be told. Well, she brings balance, you know, um, Mothra's characterization has always been even from, from her in for her, from her inception in 61, all the way up to King of the monsters, um, in 2019, um, you know, got Mothra's Mothra. The idea of Mothra has always been balance. And like you said, nature and kind of that, higher um that that looking towards a higher power or a higher being um that can and you can look to nature that you can find beauty in nature and you can find and you can look to that as your as your motivator for a higher power that's fine um but that's always to me what mothra has embodied in her in her films is just that balance yeah and and part of you know representing nature is the the cycle of nature you know things grow mm-hmm. things die things are reborn and and grow again seeds seeds grow in a plant the plant dies the seeds germinate they grow again uh you know that's that's why she her dying is part of the full cycle um I do want to, because we're getting kind of long here in this discussion, so I want to I want to go ahead and move into our final thoughts. But before we do our final thoughts, I want to uh, ask you, what did you think of the acting? We talked about Takarada, how great Takarada was, but what did you think of the acting in this film altogether? I think the acting is solid. 
you know, with, with, uh, you've got a, you've got a superb cast of characters. Uh, I'm going to butcher these names. So please don't at me people. Um, our reporter character, uh, Junko, uh, she was, she played Junko in the movie. Uh, yeah. Junko mm-hmm. in the movie, uh, Yuriko Ho, Ho, Hoshi, Ho, Hoshi. Okay. Hoshi. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Okay. So she was phenomenal. She was phenomenal uh, in this movie. So was Kenji Sahara playing one of the bat, one of the antagonists in this movie. Uh, June Tazaki. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as the newspaper editor in this film, all of this was a, as, of course the great Takarada himself all played their roles well, like this is like, there's not much we can say about the acting except for it was phenomenal. And with, you know, I don't have the, I don't have the, the, the film historian pedigree as, as some of the other people that we get to interact with that can give you the, you know, the filmography of each and every person on this cast. All I can simply say is it's phenomenal. Even, uh, uh, the, the actor who plays Kumiyama, the evil, the, the, the stereotypical yeah. evil businessman, he, like he plays it, he plays it well. He play like he's hammy yeah. and he's over the top and he's just, he's just, you know, bad for the sake of being, he's bad and greedy for the sake of being bad and greedy. And I think that works and it sends home the, it does send home a message of, you know, greed versus, you know, greed versus the cycle of life and nature and all that stuff. There's just so many different things working in tandem in this movie. Um, but I, I want to ask as far as like acting goes, when we have to talk about uh, the Shobi gene, the 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 the, the twins, the tw- the Shobi mm-hmm. gene as yeah. as we know them, but the the twin, the Mothra twins. Uh, what well, did you think about the? Real quick, I just wanted to say real quick before we get into that that the the uh, Yoshifumi Tajima, who plays the the evil businessman who wants to exploit uh, the Mothra egg, like you said, I, I do agree with you. He he plays the character that he's given which is you know and he does it well which is greedy for greedy sake but i think that also plays into the overall message which is you know godzilla was born from people exploiting nature to the point that it it created something worse and now here's a greedy sure. person trying to exploit nature once again and mothra is coming to put a stop to it and, and prevent it from happening and prevent it from getting worse. And so that's, you know, uh, again, it all plays back into that core message that we have here. But what, what were you going to ask about the Shobijin? I was just going to ask you because this is the first time we no, this is not the first, this is the second time we meet the show. I keep forgetting six, not Mothra 61. I'm sorry. I'm a bad Mm -hmm. fan. I'm not a real fan people. (laughs) Um, I'm not a true fan. (laughs) Anyway, um, this is the second time we see the show Gene. What did you think about them? And what did you think about their characterization in this film? Um, I actually, cause I, I've seen, uh, I actually got to see Mothra 61 in theaters. They had a special showing here at my local theater for it. And so I actually got to go to the movie theaters and see it. And, um, I have to tell you their characterization in this is actually a little bit better than what you get in 61. Um, I think they're, they're in the movie more in 61 because they're basically the main characters. They are the ones that we follow, sure. but but even though we don't get as much of them in this film, I think their characterization is better in this one. It's like they just refined everything. It's like all the little, all the little 
tweaks and stuff that they did between 61 to 64 just made everything a little bit better. And, um, and the yeah. music, the music is so good. Like, of course, uh, Emmy and Yumi Ito, they, they were hired because of their singing ability. Um, that was why mm-hmm. they were hired for the, for the job and they perform so well as much as I can't stand the, uh, King Caesar song. And we've talked about it in Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I love the Mothra songs, all of them. Like there's been, well, I won't say all of them because sea monster, that one kind of gets a little weird, but yeah. I do love the Mothra music in this and the songs that they uh, sing in this Mosura. film. Uh, Mosura. Oh, ooh. okay. I can't even do it. I'm so, I'm, I'm borderlining offensive. If I try to say it. Um, so we just, I want to share this really quick. Cause this is kind of funny. I was telling this, I think I was telling this to Danny or maybe I was telling this to Nathan the other day when we were talking, when I was watching this movie again for the, when I was watching this movie again for this show and I, when I, I used to get my haircut, uh, at this little place, uh, in a town, a couple towns over from here where I live now. And the girl that used to cut my hair, her son was a big monster Godzilla fan. Like he was, I think he was like six years old or whatever. And, um, she would tell me, she would, we were talking one day about like books and science fiction. She's like, Oh yeah, my son loves, you know, dinosaurs and Godzilla. And I said, you know, I, I grew up with Godzilla and she's, Oh really? Yeah. It's like, I, I still like it. I still like it to this day. Didn't go into full detail. Uh, I was doing the podcast at the time and I didn't go into full detail because it was like, Oh, you never know about people telling you do a podcast about men in rubber suits, uh, as a hobby. So whatever. Um, and I was telling her, oh yeah, I still love Godzilla. I still watch a God. I still watch Godzilla to this day. And she's like, yeah, my favorite movie has to be uh, Godzilla versus Mothariah. I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, like all right, all right. And I didn't, and I and I didn't correct her. And she's like, yeah, I really love Mothariah. She's just, she's just, I just like the idea of a big butterfly because I like butterflies, and I just really love Mothariah. And I'm like good for you. Good for you. I didn't even bother to correct her because it was such a sweet conversation between me and this, and this young woman. And, um, not that I'm an old man, but whatever. Um, it was just such an interesting little conversation I was having. Well, she, uh, I was she having probably picked her. it up from the song because, you know, in the song, yeah, they sing Masaraya. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. why she picked it up that way. <laughs> that's yeah. funny though. That is someone who loves this, but isn't connected to other people who love it. You know what I mean? Like, like she loves this thing, but has never interacted with another person who loves it because if she did, they, she would have been corrected on it. So that's, that's That's like the, that is like the, that is like uh the purest form of fandom, I think. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the purest form of fandom. And I, and honest to God, I I swear I did not correct her. I didn't even say Mothra. Whenever I said, when I was, we were talking about it, I said Mothariah just to (laughs) justify what she just said. I did. I did as a, as a, as a, as a longtime Godzilla fan that I feel silly saying it that way. Yes. Um, but it, it was a it was a good human interaction, and I did not want to ruin that for her and make her right, feel dumb. Yeah. So, and I mean, and and really, even if you did correct her, she probably wouldn't. You know, she'd probably still say it the way she grew up saying it, or or you know, has always been saying it. Because I mean, I I know that 
hetera and ebera and all those, you know, that they're not pronounced exactly how I pronounce them. I tend to say hedora and gidora mm-hmm. and things like that. That's not how they're supposed to be pronounced, but I don't really care. I know that they're, I just, that's the way I've always said them since I was a little kid. So <laughs> that's the way I'm going to say it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a funny, funny interaction to have. Um, I just never, thing. I just, I just can't. One more thing. I'll just say I cannot watch this movie without smiling at that interaction. Like every time I watch that movie, I think of that interaction with that with that woman and talking about her son. And it just makes me smile because it was just such a genuinely it was just such a genuine human interaction. And I I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's really sweet. Um, One thing I one note I wanted to say on Takarada's acting in the film, he does a great job. Of course, Takarada is a great actor and he does a great job. Everyone does a great job. Mm-hmm. But this is Takarada playing basically the same character that he plays in a lot of films around this same era, around the same time. So this was, you know, 64, mm-hmm. uh, you know, up to up up to probably the early 70s. He kind of plays the standard cookie cutter nice guy. And that's the character that he always, you know, played up until that point. And so while, uh, while I think he's great as that character and he does a great job, it's still not my favorite Takarada performance because I think he has more to do in other movies, like uh, in other Godzilla movies, even when he gets to chew a bit more scenery than just be the standard, you know, regular nice guy um you know when he plays the the character in sea monster or when he's playing the the um what the character in in final wars where who was replaced by one of the exilians and so he he uh ends up being an evil guy uh at the end and it's like you know that he gets to chew on more scenery and gets to kind of flex his muscles a little bit more in those movies than in this one so it's not my favorite performance Uh uh-huh yeah I, I was just going to, I was just, before you started talking, I'm sorry, I, was, I cut you off. Um, no. This, I was going to say the same thing you were going to say that this is not even my favorite talk performance by, by Takarada. My favorite performance in a kaiju movie that I, because, and I say kaiju movie because I do intend on going and watching his non-kaiju stuff. But from the movies I've seen of him so far, actually my favorite performance of him from him is from uh abira uh the sea monster the godzilla versus Mm -hmm. the sea monster where he plays the the criminal where he plays like that stoic criminal uh uh, was it yoshimura yoshimura i think is what he is i think his name i think it's his character's name in in that film and it's just i just enjoyed that performance over this one I even almost enjoy his performance as Fuji in uh, Monster Zero before I like his performance in this one. I just and, and I mainly like his performance in Monster Zero because of his interaction with uh, Nick Adams, it, the the camaraderie yeah. that he had with Nick Adams in that film. Yeah, the the camaraderie that he had with Nick Adams in that was uh, was really good. That that would probably be up there. Um, I he does such a good job as just you know your regular good guy like even King Kong Escapes is is one of my favorite kaiju movies of all time and he he but he still plays just your average 
generic i don't want to say generic because that sounds bad but because he does a good job but he is he is a normal just nice guy but when he when he gets to play in yeah like you said yoshimura in in uh sea monster or and and for me personally my favorite performance um in a kaiju film is uh from final wars where he plays the un secretary like i said he starts off as a nice guy and then he's replaced by the exilians and so he's he's uh um he's supposed to be playing the nice guy, but secretly a bad guy. And then he comes out as bad guy, but then you, they find the actual one that got body swapped. And so he's back to being a nice guy. He just gets to be the, the short period of time in that film when Takarada gets to be the cackling evil bad guy is great. Mm-hmm. Is great. Cause you never see him as that. And so I just, I, I love that when he gets to do that. Um, so, so I, yeah, like I said, you and there's nothing against him though. Yeah. You and your, you and our friend Elijah are one and are one in the same there because um, I was watching, I watched a little bit of their stream when they were, uh, memorial memorializing Takarada. And that is actually Elijah's favorite Takarada performances in final wars, because it is Mm -hmm. such a unique performance. It is such a unique performance by him. And it's something we typically don't see from him. And as a side note, legendary, please release the, uh, release the cutscene from him and with him and, uh, uh, Brody Ford in Godzilla 2014. We would really appreciate that. Um, I know at this point, please do it. I mean, if, if nothing else for the, just for the sake of his memory to have him officially be part of another Godzilla film, I do want to go and kind of watch some of the, I think it's the Japanese dub of, uh, Aladdin because he does the voice of Jafar in in that. And I, I really want to know how he does as the voice of Jafar. We're not watching cats though. Oh yeah. Cause he does the voice of one of the ones in cats too. I forgot about that. Oh, we have to do it in memory of Takarada san. We have oh, to no, do it. We're not watching cats. <laughs> we're not watching cats for this. No. Oh, that that, is... I, I, we have to tweet. I have to tweet that out now. Uh, listeners, if you see that on Twitter, uh, go and retweet it uh, and like it because I've got to tweet that out now. Let's say, you know, in memory of the great Akira Takarada, I'm going to watch one of his greatest performances in the <laughs> Japanese dub of Cats. <laughs> I think he plays, if I'm not, mis- I pro- I'm probably wrong here, but I think he plays Mr. Mistopheles in that movie. I, I think, think so. I don't know. Yeah. I think he, I think he plays one of the, on um, one of the bigger roles in that movie, which, which as he mm-hmm. should, he's, 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 I think he's it's the Ian McKellen uh, cat from in the American version. Oh, okay. I was just going to say that one of the, one, another movie that I just watched recently for our, to review with our friends, uh, giant monster BS Grattan, uh, we talked about latitude zero and Akira Takarada is in that one as well. And what's interesting about that particular film is he speaks English. That is his voice speaking English in that. It is such a weird film. We're going to have to, we're going to have to review it at some point. It is just so incredibly Mm -hmm. weird. Uh, I don't know if you're going to like it. I enjoyed it for what it was. I I had a lot of fun with it, but I don't know if you're going to like it, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah. That's one I haven't seen yet. Uh, Yeah. It's just, it was just so weird hearing Akira 
or, or hearing Takarada speak English with his own voice, because that movie mm-hmm. was originally an American was an American production and they spoke English and then Toho took it over and finished the movie is how I believe it went. But it's just, it was just a, a surreal experience hearing him do that. And Takarada could speak English. It, it was it, it wasn't his, it obviously was not his first language, but he could speak it to the point where you could understand him and you could have a conversation mm-hmm. with him. Cause I've, I've watched oh, interviews yeah. with him before, you know, speaking English, obviously it's not his first language, but you know, it, it was still, yeah. it was still an interesting experience. Yeah. I think, um, I think Nathan, my friend Nathan has, uh, has a story about him that, uh, he went to a screening oh. at one of at G fest <laughs> and Takarada was in the audience and you just hear him I want yell, popcorn. I want more popcorn <laughs> uh just because he's you know he was older at that point so his hearing that's one of the things that they said his hearing head was starting to get uh worse as he was getting older but um another just real quick then we'll get into our final thoughts and and finish off you know this discussion but uh we had recommended all of the movies that, that akira takarada had been involved in different ones for to go check out one thing we didn't recommend which was the documentary that kyle yount put together that had a nice interview with Akira Takarada. It was a beautiful interview. It really gives, gave him the opportunity to tell everyone how much Godzilla meant to him. And it's so, it's so interesting hearing him because, because I'm used to, I'm used to some of the actors who are involved in these things in, in big productions to not have the emotional connection that fans do because like mm-hmm. you, you, I, I love voice actors. So I, I, I listen. Yeah, I, I like voice actors. I'm a big, big voice actor nerd. And so I've listened to a lot of interviews of Mark Hamill. And when Mark Hamill talks about Star Wars, you know, Star Wars, he has no emotional connection to like he it's a, it was a job. He loved it. He he appreciates what it has become and how much people love it and love him because of it. But he just doesn't have that emotional connection to it that the fans do but when you listen to takarada talk about godzilla he is as much and if not a bigger fan of godzilla than any of us and loves the character and loves the movies and loves the franchise and so he was just this great ambassador so so if you haven't checked out what what's the name what's the actual title of kyle's um it's called um it's called hell to the king uh basically kyle yount uh, Kyle Yao and a couple of friends did a tour of Japan and they visited and they did some interviews with Godzilla actors, suit actors and, you know, actors and actresses that were in the films as the human cast. And, you know, they, they did some other stuff around the city and around the, and around Japan and whatnot. But one of the highlights was Kyle getting to sit down and have a conversation with Takarada there. And Takarada had some very like wise, very loving words to say about the meaning and the heart behind, behind Godzilla. And and it, it obviously does show uh, how much he cared for that character and how much he appreciated, you know, how much, how much, uh, 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 fame and, and, and acknowledgement he's gone, he's gotten, uh, for playing those characters over the years. You know, he, he speaks, he speaks from the heart obviously. And it's called, and again, that talk, that documentary, and it's still on YouTube. It's called hail to Mm -hmm. the King. And it was done in like 20, I think 2019, 20, maybe a little earlier than that. I'm thinking maybe it was like 2018, 2017, but, um, yeah, it was still, it was still a really, 
it was still a really nice interview. And I went back and watched that the other day after he had passed away. And, you know, it, it did make me tear up a little bit because, you know, you can hear in his voice, you know, how much he cared for, you know, the work that he had done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, I have said it a few times. And so now we're finally going to get into our final thoughts and our Godzuki <laughs> scores. So, uh, while Daisy nudges my microphone, thank you very much, Kat. Um, <laughs> we like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis. That's Godzuki. Uh, instead of five stars or anything, because we like to embrace the sillier side of giant monster movies when appropriate. And uh, so we like to use Godzilla's bumbling nephew as our yardstick. So out of five Godzukis, what would you rate Mothra versus Godzilla from 1964? And what are your final thoughts? Kind of keep them short because we're running out of okay. time. Right. So this is one of those few, this is one of those Godzilla films. It's hard for me to separate my nostalgia from thinking about this film in a critical objective way. So I'm just going to say that I'm going to go ahead and give this five out of five Godzukis because personally to me, I think, I think that this is required watching for any G fan. You have to watch Mothra versus Godzilla at some point in your, in your watch experience of the franchise. It's required. It, it doesn't matter if you watch it first, second, third, or the 23rd, you have to watch it at some point and you have to just appreciate the cast, the music, the acting, the special effects, all of it that we've talked about, you know, go watch it. We, there's nothing that we can say about this movie that has not already been said about it throughout the, throughout its, throughout its, throughout the years. So that's why five out of five Godzukis is what I'm going to give it. And God, and, and God rest Takarada. Yeah, uh, I am going to be right there with you. And, you know, uh, I've said before, the the few times I've given five out of fives uh, on the show is been I'll usually say it's because I, I can't think of anything else to say, uh, to change about the movie. Like, I can't think of a single thing that you could change about this movie that would make it better. Like, I think I think you could make some tweaks and yeah, maybe having the Islanders in brown face wasn't the best thing, but I, I still just I love this movie too much. I can't I can't have them change anything about it, because if you change anything about it, you lose something because it's just like you said, mm -hmm. the music, the acting, the directing, the special effects, the the, the Nakajima in the in the suit and and everything just all came together in such a great way that it is one of it is up there as one of my all-time favorite uh movies this one and Ghidorah or Ghidorah uh from the same year are probably my two and three favorite Godzilla movies if, I, if I'm being honest I, I don't really remember how I rated them but they're they're up there and uh and yeah so I give it five out of five Godzukis just like you Yep, and I want to tack on just really quickly. We will be doing uh, in a future issue of Kaiju Ramen. We will be doing an issue where we focus on the human characters of the franchise because we feel like that's important. And one of the, and I'm sure that several, I'm sure that there will be a lot of focus on on uh, Takarada San. In fact, I don't think this is really spoilery, but we've asked a friend of the magazine, Kyle Yount, to write that article for us, memory. Uh, in dedication to Takarada. 
yeah, so that we'll we'll be doing that probably later on this year. Uh, one of our one of our last issues of the year will have a nice thing about Takarada in it. Um, so we couldn't fit it in to one of the issues that's coming up right away, but we'll get it in there this year, and and it also also gives us time to kind of uh, deal with the initial shock of losing him, and then time to process it all so yeah we'll have it in yeah. the in the magazine uh later on this year a nice tribute to him written by kyle yount do you know what the next segment of the podcast is called is it the mailbag it's the mailbag what's in the mail today And if you would like to send us something to read on the podcast, Daisy, will you stop it? (laughs) I'm sorry, listeners. My cat is just being nuts. Come here, Daisy. Come on. Uh, She's being a little gremlin. Um, Anyway, if you would like to send us an email to be read out on the podcast, you can do that at kaijuweekly at gmail.com or you can tweet us at kaijuweekly on Twitter. Uh, We have read out this cat Daisy come on <laughs> come on go go stop it stop it stop it stop it she just keeps looking at me like what <laughs> um we have we've read oh, uh boy. emails and answered questions from Chris Degelman uh before and he sent us a few different questions in an email and so we were going to answer a couple of more questions that he sent in to us from our uh to our gmail and I, I i'm sorry listeners if you hear the noise in the background it's just the cat being a gremlin um <laughs> so <sighs> chris degelman says here's another question i have for you guys but i am not sure if you have ta- already talked about it on the podcast uh, he asks, when Toho returns to making new live action Godzilla movies, which direction would you like to see them go? Uh, something serious, something silly. And what could Toho do to differentiate their Godzilla movies from legendary? Uh, he also sent another question. Well, we can do both of these because they're both really uh, quick to kind of get into. Uh, he said, my last question is, which threat should Baragon face in its first solo movie uh, that will come very soon, hopefully? <laughs> you only have to believe hard enough. As always, keep up the good work. P.S. The last issue of Kaiju Ramen was a blast. Thank you so much, Chris. So, Michael, taking the first question, what direction would you like to see Toho go? Toho go. Huh. I like that. Um, when they do their next batch of live action Godzilla movies. I think they should go serious. I think they should go back to the root, not a remake of 1954. I don't want a remake of 1954. We've It's been done to death. But I think that if they go back to something like a Mothra versus Godzilla, where it's a little bit more serious, it's a little bit uh, where Godzilla gets to be the villain again, because we've seen enough. I feel like we've seen so much of Godzilla, the hero with legendary and then the later uh, uh, Toho films, except with the exception of course, Shin and and, uh, Godzilla singular point. I think that going back to the roots of Godzilla being this more of a force of nature animal, um, 
you know, I think that would be a that would be a direction I would like to see them go. Do you are do you think they should follow through on anything with Shin or even like the tone that Shin had like carry that through? Honestly, I think I would love I, I, I used to say that I I used to say that I would not like this to happen because it was just so radical and out there. But, you know, as I get older and deeper into my G fandom, you know, a little bit of variety never kill never hurt anybody. I honestly got I honestly wish that they would explore the concept that they kind of hinted at at the end of Shin where you had like the humanoid the humanoid Godzilla figures. Now I'm not saying that Godzilla needs to look like a human. I, I don't think that that would be great. I just don't, I just don't know if I would like that, but like having him battle against him, like a, like a Godzilla versus Godzilla, like a human Godzilla versus the animal Godzilla would be an interesting concept to explore. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to take it a step further than you. I, I do think they should go the more serious route, not silly, but I'm going to take it a step further and say, I think they should do something more earnest because while Shin Godzilla was very serious in tone, it also was a parody in its own way because parody doesn't necessarily mean mm. comedy. Parody can be serious and it was kind right. of a parody in its own way. Whereas I don't want to see that in Godzilla. I want to see earnestness. I want to, I want them to mm -hmm. take the character of Godzilla seriously and treat it with earnestness and, and do something with that instead of, you know, trying to make a parody, make a, make a, uh, a spoof of, of whatever, you know, not that I didn't, not that I, I think that they did it anything wrong in shin i think shin's good for what it is it's still not my favorite godzilla movie but I, but i think they did a decent job but i just for me going forward i would like to see more yeah. earnestness uh and take it more in a more earnest direction yeah i think um, so too like go back to like go back to the roots of the character a little bit yeah yeah um and as far as what threat should Baragon face in his first solo movie but I I mean Baragon's kind of ha had his own solo movie in Frankenstein Conquers the World uh Frankenstein versus Baragon it's not really solo because it's Frankenstein is in there but if you're talking about Baragon facing another threat then it's not a solo movie anyway so really if you're going to do a solo Baragon movie have Baragon be by himself have or, or herself uh, whatever you want to say but um uh i just have the monster be by itself but if you're going to have the baragon face another monster i think they should update frankenstein i think they should do another frankenstein versus baragon just uh, bring into the modern day yeah i think so i think doing honestly i think doing a solo disaster movie with with baragon would be interesting as well um but if you're gonna do a versus film i think they re i think they remake uh frankenstein conquers the world uh with modern effects and everything because that is, it's one of our i think i think you and i both can agree that that is one of our favorite non-godzilla toho movies Mm hmm. Yeah. Or if you're going if you if you insist on putting another kaiju that's not Frankenstein in it, maybe Rodan. Rodan would be a good one because Rodan kind of has a similar origin 
as Baragon. They're both like prehistoric creatures mm-hmm. that were just awakened in the modern day. So having Rodan and Baragon together in a movie would be really good. Or even just Baragon versus Mecha Baragon. Ooh, Mecha Baragon. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Chris, for sending that email. And again, if you would like to send us an email to be read out on the podcast, you can do that kaijuweekly at gmail.com or at kaijuweekly on Twitter. You can also tweet us there and we will read it out on the podcast. And now mm-hmm. the only thing to do is to uh, ask, ask the trivia question for next week's movie. We've got a very special guest lined, a returning guest lined up for next week and a very special film that we're going to be covering. So the trivia question for that is what 2022 film was described as the Hulk but cuter, quote unquote, at the D23 Disney's Expo in 2021. So what film was described as the Hulk, but cuter at D23? So if you have any answers to that, you can send that to us on Twitter. We will make sure to post this on our social media so that anybody can answer and get a shout out. And because we are trying to stay on schedule, we will make sure that we read your answers on next week's episode. We're going to stay on schedule as much as possible. And so to close out this episode, I'm going to say thank you, everyone, for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly. All the links to our social media, as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. We want to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported Kaiju Ramen magazine so far. We have been working so hard getting issue five done. Issue five is out. Uh, We're already starting on some some, uh, uh, stuff for issue six. And we've still got volume one that's on its way for everybody who backed it on Kickstarter. So there's plenty of stuff that's happening with Kaiju Ramen. And you can check out all the things that you want to know about uh, the magazine, our other podcast, everything that is our Kaiju Ramen related. Uh, You can check it out at the website kaijuramenmedia.com and if you want to look at the other podcasts that we cover kaijuramenmedia.com slash podcast is where you can check those out and there's one more thing you can do to help support the show and that is by going over to apple podcasts and leaving us a five-star rating or review what that's going to do is got what that's going to do is got tongue-tied words okay what that's going to do is help put this show in front of other kaiju and tokusatsu fans uh and takarata fans just like you it's going to help us grow it's going to help us go into other areas of fandom and help the kaiju ramen podcast network uh uh, get to bring in more shows hopefully with other great creators just like you guys so uh we actually do have some um podcast reviews to read out so but we will do that on a on the next episode since we didn't get to them this time but if you want to go help out the show go rate us and review us on apple Podcasts. we'd appreciate it yes and now i had the cat earlier now i've got the pitter patter of my puppy dog um <laughs> if, if you can hear it in the background so real quick uh thank you for listening and oh no i already said all that um 
I, I'll say help control the Mothra population. Have your, uh, I don't know, uh, giant chicken eggs that are dyed like Easter <laughs> eggs, uh, spayed or neutered. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, guys. Masaraya, 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 Masaraya. Okay, that's enough. <laughs>